Hi there, and welcome to my Fashion Stories Box podcast, a podcast about stories in fashion history. I am Catherine, and I am so glad to welcome you here. Let's discover together interesting facts about fashion and history and fashion history. For this new episode of my Fashion Stories Box podcast, I decided to tackle maybe one of the most important fashion designers of all time, Gabrielle Chanel. However, I wasn't interested in doing another biography of hers. What I wanted to do was to understand how she managed to create such a powerful brand still living today. In a word, to understand all the fuss behind having something Chanel. For that, I decided to go back to the roots and to know more about the woman behind the designer. As a profiler, I immerged myself in her life, her personality, her time to understand how all these elements influence the fashions she's been created throughout her life. In a word, I tried to put myself in her shoes to become her in order maybe to review my stereotypes and first impressions I had about her and her legacy to understand why she was, and still is, so emblematic of a certain Persian chic. When it comes to the Chanel brand, I have different types of associations. Black and white, classic, a bit oldish, boring style, more for older women, the bourgeoise, from Neuilly or the 16th arrondissement in Paris, Something elitist, snobbish even. Not for everybody. The perfume, Chanel No. 5, the aura of Karl Lagerfeld, and of course, the one of Mademoiselle Coco, Gabrielle Chanel. But I don't see something I could myself wear. It's not a brand for me. At least for now. Maybe when I will be older? But... Chanel is a brand you can't miss. You see it everywhere, no matter where you go. And when you talk about fashion and fashion history with people, and especially with foreigners, Chanel is a name which automatically comes, which used to irritate me a lot. She wasn't the only French fashion designer, I would automatically answer. There were some before her and some after her, as talented as her, with an influence as strong as hers. So why is she always around in discussions about fashion? To understand this fascination, I went back to her past. A past she would play with, though, helping to create the legend, the myth around her, even when she was still alive. As you all know, I guess, Gabrielle Chanel was born in the French city of Saumur on August the 19th, 1883. She would die on January the 10th, 1971, in Paris. She comes from a very social background, her parents being traveling Americans originated from the Auvergne region. When her mother died, Chanel was 12 years old, and her father brought her with her two sisters to an orphanage run by nuns. In the book, Allure of Chanel, 
written by Paul Morand, one of her friends, and based on discussions they had together, and which I highly recommend you to read, Gabrielle would say that even if she didn't receive lots of love when her mother was still alive, they were still a family, and she was free. After that event, she would lose her freedom in that orphanage, and she would spend all her life fighting to be free and to keep this freedom. Because the main keyword of Shanna's life, her motto, was freedom. Freedom to live the way she wanted, with whom she wanted. Freedom to do whatever she wanted, when she wanted. Freedom to dress the way she wanted. Her childhood, teenagerhood, and start of her adulthood really fashioned her personality, her character, which will play a big part in her career. Because the young Gabrielle Chanel, before she was known as Coco or Mademoiselle, was a very opinioned girl. She was stubborn, preferred being alone, didn't have a tongue in her pocket. She was proud, and she had a precise understanding of what she wanted. And as we saw, she wanted to be free, to be independent, to rise above her social status. For that, she was ready to do anything. She wasn't afraid to work long hours, and she was really a hardworking person. She learned how to sew, either with her aunt or at the orphanage. Here, the legend is in full swing, and Chanel made sure to blur her past as much as possible as part of her personal branding. And depending on the different sources you can read, the orphanage played a more or less important role in her future signature style. But what we are sure about is that she knew how to sew and that quite early on, she developed a certain sense and taste for fashion. She also developed a passion for singing and dancing, even though, as she would finally discover it, she wasn't talented for that. However, no matter what she would want to have, she would need to fight hard to obtain it. Conventions were still very strong during this period of La Belle Époque. La Belle Époque, or the Beautiful Era, is a time associated with the end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century. Historians locate its beginning around 1871 and its end in 1914 with the start of the First World War. This time is considered as the golden age for France and especially for Paris, as it is during that period that Paris became nicknamed the City of Lights, the capital of entertainment, culture, fashion and luxury. And it will also have its main symbol, the Eiffel Tower. It's all due to the Industrial Revolution on one end and of a period of peace between the 1870 Franco-Prussian War and the beginning of the First World War in 1914 on the other hand, establishing a feeling of security and happiness. You might have different images coming in mind for that period. The Art Nouveau movement, the Eiffel Tower of course, the 1900 Universal Exhibition in Paris, the Moulin Rouge and its French Cancan. It's the time of Toulouse-Lautrec, 
Emile Zola and Victor Hugo, but also Charles Baudelaire. An intellectual and cultural dynamism centered in Paris, contributing to position the French capital as the main meeting point. Alongside with the cultural and intellectual aspects, the industrial ones will also play a big role. Electricity, cars, the first flight, the Lumière brothers, Marie Curie, Pasteur, the development of factories and the rise of the middle class. A society entering the 20th century and modernity. However, the transition period between two centuries wasn't really as romantic and beautiful as we have the impression it was, and the Belle Epoque lifestyle was in fact accessible to a minority. Strong social inequalities would develop further, with an increasing gap between the urban areas and the countryside, and a deeper exploitation of workers, especially in factories, and especially women. It's not surprising that modern revolutionary ideas such as Marxism and socialism would develop at that time. And when it comes to women, even if they could work, they still didn't have the same rights as men. They would be paid less than men, they would be limited to basic jobs, and we'll find a lot of them working in the fashion industry. They wouldn't be able to vote, they wouldn't be able to dispose from their salaries and would remain very much dependent from their husbands. And again, it wasn't appropriate for them to live alone or in a free relationship with a man. Now they would be seen as potential businesswomen. Again, no wonders that that period also saw the development of the suffragette movement and feminism. As for fashion, even if the mid-19th century crinolines and their crazy volumes disappeared and a certain simplicity entered the dresses, they were still quite restrictive, mostly characterized by big hats heavily decorated, a slim silhouette, yes, but accentuated with a corset, following the form of an S, forcing the women to put forward their torso and backward their bottoms and transforming them into some sorts of pigeons. All of this embellished with lace, ribbons, flowers, and so on. The female beauty ideal was one of a woman displaying pleasant curves, one of a more mature woman. The ruling designer was Charles Frederick Worth, considered as the father of the haute couture and who dictated the main trends and the way women would be dressed. And then he would be followed by Paul Poiré, the king of fashion, freeing women from the S-band and the corsets starting from the first decade of the 20th century and then his orientalist craze following the balleuse and the costumes by Leon Batsk. Gabrielle Chanel was a pure product of this Belle Epoque period, and at the beginning, she tried to fit in. She developed an interest in fashion after reading the fashion magazines of her aunts, willing to replicate the lifestyle she saw on these pages. She just didn't have the right silhouette. She wasn't entering the beauty standards of her time. 
When you look at photos of her as a young woman, you can see that she was beautiful though, with a certain charism, and you can really understand why men such as the Grand Duke Dimitri or the Duke of Westminster courted her. But she didn't have the belly book curves. She was slim, with few forms and a more androgynous silhouette. And when one day she would decide to try on a dress more elaborated than the one she would usually wear, the result would be ridiculous. After this event, Gabrielle will have in horror anything reminding that dress. So, the question we can ask ourselves is the following. Did Chanel decide to create dresses because she genuinely wanted to offer women comfortable clothes? Or was it just a question of pride and ego because the fashion of the time didn't suit her? Yes, Chanel was a very proud woman. And maybe as the society of her time rejected her because first, her being a woman, and second, coming from a low social background, not being accepted by the families of the men she loved because of her origins, having to be in the hidden and to satisfy herself with the role of the lover of the good friend, she maybe decided to take her revenge, and fashion would be her playground for that. Indeed, through her clothes, then accessories and perfumes, she managed to make the high society paying a high price for simple outfits and fantasy jewelry. As Paul Morand says in the book The Allure of Chanel, she invented poverty for billionaires, a real simplicity, and never before snobism has been better directed against itself. If that doesn't speak about social revenge, I don't know what to think. And this is maybe where our genius lies, in fact, and why she was so successful. The audace of the poor countryside girl to ridicule the high society using its own rules while it was usually the contrary. She basically redefined the concept of luxury and associated it with simplicity. You have a certain roughness about Gabrielle Chanel and in her attitude and in her designs and also a certain vulgarity. She was arrogant, but she was in a permanent state of revolt. She was hypersensitive, touchy, and would overreact to any kind of situation. Maybe it was a way to protect herself as she had to fend for herself since a young age, maybe it was a way to impose herself. No matter what and the many speculations we can have, she set herself on a mission to put fashion out of fashion. And she was quite lucky because this was also what women wanted even before the start of the First World War. So you can imagine that after having spent four years of war being in charge of men's jobs, tasting freedom, women didn't want to come back to corsets and long dresses. With her style, 
inspired from the men's wardrobe and using democratic materials as knits and jersey, Gabrielle Chanel was able to offer women the clothes they needed for their new lifestyle, based on movements and freedom. As part of her inspirations, you can find, as I mentioned, elements from the men's wardrobe and horse riding clothes, but also from the working class. Let's take one of the most famous examples, the strip top worn by Ceros, which became a timeless classic outfit. But different cultures and ancient civilizations would also influence her. The bright Russian embroideries and folklore, the English tweed, the opulent Byzantine style that she will merge with her own codes, black and white, the camellia, the pearls, sobriety, functionality. She will play with the opposites, the little black dress, embellished with rows of pearl necklaces and fantasy jewelry, a brooch being worn at the waist and a perfume being worn as a dress and put wherever you want it to be kissed. She managed to jump on the atmosphere of the roaring twenties and to incarnate this garson woman and by her androgynous appearance and by her lifestyle and by her fashion style. She was this free woman, this ambitious woman of the post-war society who could succeed without the help of a man, or almost, and many would identify themselves with that. On the other side, Gabrielle Chanel had some dictatorship tendencies. It's not very democratic to impose to others a way of dress. When you watch footages of her behaving and speaking, you can't help but notice a certain rigidity in her attitude. She looks a bit abrupt and in her movements when she works on the model and in her tone of voice. It seems she doesn't appreciate to be contradicted. Take it or leave it, but no compromise is possible here. She was known for having a bad temper and for not accepting no as an answer. She would lose her temper easily. Some people or herself your sources contradict each other, would say about her that she was the last active volcano of the Massif Central. Just to give you an idea, she wasn't tender with herself, neither, but quite realistic. Here is how she would describe herself. I see myself with my eyebrows in a threatening double arc, my nostrils open as the ones of a horse, my hair darker than the devil, my mouth with which is a crevasse from which my quick-tempered and generous soul unburdens itself, my dark skin of a bohemian where my teeth and pearls add their double whiteness, my body as dry as the wine stock without grapes, my hands of a worker with cabochons in form of fake knuckle duster, the hardness of the mirror referring me back to my own hardness. It's a close confrontation between it and me. It expresses everything in me which is precise, efficient, optimistic, passionate, realistic, combative, teasing and skeptical. Everything which smells the French woman. Unquote. 
had a very precise idea of what was fashion and what wasn't fashion, and again tended to impose her views. For her, fashion was not an art. She didn't consider herself as being an artist. She was an artisan. She would say a dress is neither a tragedy nor a painting, that it is a charming and short-lived creation, but not a timeless piece of art. No wonder she couldn't stand designers who positioned themselves as artists as Paul Poirier or Elsa Schiaparelli, and she was quite vocal about against them. And in a paradoxical way, as for everything with Gabrielle Chanel, she loved artists. She started as a millionaire for actresses. She had among France Jean Cocteau, Pablo Picasso, Sergei Diaghilev, Salvatore Dali, and she would regularly sponsor them. She even collaborated to costume designs for Hollywood, and then stopped because they asked her to modify her style according to their requirements, and she saw that as a treason towards her principle. Again, no concessions, no compromises. Her vision of fashion was more one of a uniform, no foo-foo, something functional, comfortable, allowing movements, with a subdued elegance made from resistant and is easy to take care of materials. And she tried to impose this uniform, the little black dress in the in the 20s, the Chanel number no. five, the tires in the tire in the 50s for coming back in fashion, the 2.55 bag with its quilt and chain uh, that she invented because she was fed up to lose her own bags, the picolor shoes with the tip in black so that we won't see if the shoes were dirty, and the remaining in beige to make the legs look longer. She even tried to impose a way to move. She is often caricatured a hand on her waist, the pelvis forward and the shoulders going backwards, and she would impose this posture to her models too. It was more about a way to be than a way to dress. It was the Chanel way. It was about a perception of femininity, a vision she vehiculated through herself. She was her best brand ambassador, and she will be the face of her brand to convince women to dress like her, to be like her, to be her. Was Chanel a feminist? Hmm. In some ways, yes. I think she did act as a role model, a woman running alone a profitable business in the 20s, in a country where women would need to wait for 1944 to obtain the right to vote, a woman who did everything to be financially independent from them in a time when women couldn't dispose of their own money, a woman who didn't care about what other people say and just followed her go, a woman who had at heart to design clothes helping other women to have the same freedom, to gain the same independence, and to reach the same goals as she did, because she didn't have such clauses and she had to create them. But for that, 
women had to dress like her, to wear the same uniform, the same shoes, the same perfume, the same jewelry, the little soldiers of the Chanel army. Did she like women apart from herself? Well, who was Gabrielle Chanel in the end? A proud woman looking for a social revenge? A mythomaniac who reinvented her past to create a myth around her? An egoist who managed to change the way women used to dress to impose her own vision of style to the world? Or a woman strong enough to impose herself in a man's world by playing men's roles? A genius in marketing and storytelling to make other designers of her time not relevant even 100 years later? A hard-working and talented artisan who sacrificed everything to her ambition? It's very difficult to summarize this controversial personality in just one sentence. The only thing that I can tell is that you can't stay neutral when it comes to Coco Chanel. Either you love her or you hate her. There is no in-between. It was true when she was alive. It is still true nowadays. And you always talk about things that don't leave you indifferent. Would Chanel have been what she was without the life she lived before becoming famous? Without the men she met, the personalities who supported her? Would she have been that influential for the fashion industry without her time with the nuns, without the challenges she had to face, or with a different social and family background which forged her identity? It's difficult to tell. However, it's something to take into consideration in order to understand the aura she had and still has nowadays. You can't fully understand a designer or even an artist without digging in his, his past, history, background. A designer or a fashion brand is not just about clothing or accessories. It's about the meaning the designer gives to his creations, the inspirations, the messages. So, to come back to the success of the Chanel brand, It might be less about the clothes themselves and more about the type of woman you want to be. If you wear something Chanel, you appropriate for yourself a part of her personality, of her ambitions, of her successes, of her free spirit, of her unconformity. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my Fashion Stories Box podcast dedicated to the personality of Gabrielle Chanel, a strong woman and a true free spirit inside the fashion industry. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, to connect with me on Instagram and Facebook to complete the podcast with some visuals. And if you like my podcast, feel free to leave a comment or a review. I would really appreciate it. I am Catherine and this is my Fashion Stories Box podcast.
a podcast about stories in fashion history. See you next time for a new fashion story box. Bye.